Welcome to episode 69 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be discussing Lost, season six, episodes six through eight. So the first episode up in that batch is the episode entitled Sundown. Sundown, a Saeed-centric episode that really ramps up this Man in Black on a Mission storyline. I did love seeing Saeed in the Flash Sideways where his brother is married to the woman he loves. Seeing this different side of Saeed as he's going in this Flash Sideways where his brother is in trouble, Saeed is not necessarily in his typical killing badass mode. And we find out that he is the one who pushed Nadia and his brother together because he thought he didn't deserve Nadia's love. Also, in those flash sideways, they bring back Kimi. That idiot Kimi shows up as a mob boss. He interrupts Saeed as he's going about his day-to-day life. And Saeed mentions that he has to go on a business trip to my neck of the woods up to Toronto. Kimi is playing the card as if he's this hot shot. And he's like, hey man, your brother owes me. And even though he paid me back, he still owes me. Then Saeed goes, Jarrah Wick on him. And I loved that moment. And seeing Martin Kimi, that bastard, basically plead for his life to Saeed and Saeed saying that ain't me that ain't it and he kills him in the flash sideways before he then stumbles upon Jin all of the flash sideways stuff with Saeed in this episode I loved so seeing just the way that the timeline is different Nadia is alive but they're not together seeing that Saeed gets pulled into this darkness will not show mercy at a key moment which is great because we know Martin Kimi doesn't deserve it so I loved all of that and then on island Saeed stuff starts to get super supernatural and they continue their reunion tour of making Claire the most annoying character to ever return on Lost and every minute that she's on screen you wish they had just given Emily DeRaven the season off again how are you liking the man in black Claire dynamic as man in black sends Claire on this mission to the temple as she crosses that line of ash that he can't cross I all respect to Emily DeRaven, but I couldn't give two squares of piss. If they, if the writers being Carlton and Damon didn't have any meaningful story for Emily DeRaven to gobble up, why bring him back? You could have just left her where you left her in the cabin seasons ago. I don't, I'm not a fan of her being Russo 2.0. I'm really not. I thought the flash sideways in this episode with Saeed was interesting, but it didn't play as well as it did for you. I mean, I liked it, but I was like, eh. but I look, I will agree that it was fun seeing Kimi get his comeuppance, even if it was in another timeline. But the thing that I really enjoyed about this episode, but for some reason, I felt like uh, Kylo Ren in this episode when Captain Phasma walked up to him in like the force awakens and she says sir what do you do about the villagers and then kylo ren goes kill them all i was so so happy to see all those motherfucking people die because i did not give a fucking rat's ass about any one of them i was so overjoyed to see the men in black i mean kill 
everyone. I've never been this happy to see a massacre on Lost. I don't know. I, I don't know what that says about the writing or how I feel about this season so far. I feel that this season is so convoluted in that I really don't know where we're going. And like I said previously, I don't care where we're going. I just want to feel a sense of completion with the characters. And at this very moment, I don't know if I'm going to get that completion. Looking at what we were given this week, I'm like, especially in this first episode, I'm like, guys, you can, you, you could have done better than that. You could have done better than that. The last thing that I particularly liked about this episode is that Saeed makes a choice and he does something. And I really feel that he lost his soul in this episode. I really did. He is gone. Well, and that's what Dogen tells him early on when Saeed kind of says, what the fuck, man? Why did you guys try and kill me? He says, look, we have a system of telling if the scales are in balance and good or bad, you're gone. You are bad. So we needed you to go. And Dogen fakes like an apology. He says, you go on this mission and you'll come across this person who if you stab him before he can speak then everything should be fine and Saeed goes and does it and obviously smoke monster peers in front of him as Locke he stabs him pulls the knife out he's like now why did you go and do that Saeed tells him like I got nothing man I figuring this out man in black says well obviously Dogen sent you here to die this is a suicide mission so why don't we flip the tables on them and you go and deliver a message and let them know if you help me i'll help you i can get you anything that you want and saeed says the only thing that he ever wanted died in his arms and he'll never see it again and man in black says what if you could which makes us start to wonder more about what exactly is this and i think part of what you were saying you're kind of glad that all these villagers got massacred i agree and it's because the way that the show has been showing us everyone on team jacob everyone at the temple dogan his assistant those people even jacob himself sending people on a wild goose chase, sending Jack and Hurley to this lighthouse with no explanation versus what Man in Black has been doing, which is hanging out with our losties, telling them what they want to hear and putting them in a position where he's saying, you help me, I help you. That I actually don't know if Man in Black is bad as we're watching this. Yes, he's killing people, but part of me starts to think, well, if it's just that him and Jacob are enemies, I don't necessarily know that Jacob is that good. And I don't know if this guy leaving the island would actually be catastrophic or would this actually be a thing that doesn't have any real world consequences outside of the island. I do think that when Saeed kills Dogen and his assistant, that's a great moment where yes, Saeed is 100% team man in black. Partly because you screw me, I'll screw you. But if there's any chance that he could see Nadia again, he's going to go for it. And then as the smoke monster is killing all of the people at the temple who did not take his uh, arrangement and didn't come outside where they would be given amnesty. I'm thrilled as those people get cleared out too, because we just don't care about them. This moment where Claire and Kate have a moment, I couldn't care less because I can't stand Claire, but I did love Saeed basically turning to what could be the dark side, but still because of the stakes of loss, we don't necessarily know for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it goes back to a point that I made last week. When, when Jacob talked to people, he told them that they were special and that, that they were chosen for a reason. The way that Jacob talked to individuals it made me think that jacob was self-serving to his own goals 
He only told people exactly what they needed to hear. And after he got those people onto his side, he basically fed them shit for any other questions that they had. The man in black might be evil, but at least the man in black is giving the, the illusion of hope and the illusion of safety, even if that's not what he's after. Look, I pretty much know what's going to happen here, but as I was watching this uh, the first time, many, many years ago, I was like you. I'm like, should I be rooting for this guy's demise or should I be hoping that he really gets off the island? And if he gets off the island, like you said, is that going to be such a bad idea? I have no idea. But I, but I only think that way because I think the way that Jacob was written was sort of poorly. And the way that the writers have handled uh, the smoke monster is better in my opinion. Yeah, I think you are 100% right on that front. Even when the, the smoke monster, and because they have him most of the time appearing as John Locke, the character that we spent so much time with, we like him. We don't know why he's doing certain things, but it's interesting that he is. And seeing Terry O'Quinn have so much fun playing this different version of Locke makes me enjoy every time he's on the screen, whereas Jacob would just kind of be quiet and scowl and didn't give me much to latch onto. So I do feel that, especially in this episode, I'm just basically rooting for the man in black more than I probably should be. But over the next couple episodes, that may change. On that note, uh, we move on to the next episode that we are going to talk about this week, entitled Dr. Linus. So Matt... I have a question for you. Have you ever felt the need to mold young minds as a teacher? I have not. And Dr. Lioness, this episode is amazing. I absolutely loved it because seeing alternate Flash Sideways Ben just be a good-natured teacher who is doing anything he can to help out a student who happens to be Alex Rousseau and will even sacrifice his own ambition and goals in the end to help this student was such a nice twist on the Ben that we have gotten to know the dynamic and everything that happened with Alex in our timeline that those scenes were just really sweet. So I do love when him and Artst are scheming and he's trying to steal the principalship from the man who has no dick from Ghostbusters, William Atherton as the principal. So awesome to see him again after so many years. And I just love that when push comes to shove in this timeline, Ben is not the selfish, power-hungry person that we know him to be on the island. And they even explicitly say, like, it is his pursuit of power and trying to have that power that has been his downfall for his entire life. So I loved that aspect of the Ben flash sideways because it was so mundane and normal, and yet he did the right thing. You know, watching it through the lens of 2021, I'm like, this grown man is kind of grooming this young teenager, especially if he's not her stepfather in this timeline. So it seemed kind of weird that they were meeting for breakfast study sessions, but I'm shoving that out of my head in the assessment and just going off it being a good natured thing that Benjamin Linus was doing and nothing creepy that it kind of comes off at in our time period now. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the relationship between this version of Benjamin Linus and this version of his daughter, Alex, for a split second, I was like, why am I getting bells off in my head? I'm like, oh yeah, right now we're in the woke society. So that's why I'm getting bells off my head. But I did think that. And like you, for the first like 
10 minutes of their friendship, especially when she comes to his house to ask him why he didn't show up for History Club. It was very, very unsettling to to see a scene like that in today's politically correct climate. But on another note, I couldn't be more aligned with you with this episode. I love this episode so, so, so much. And the thing that I loved about it was often when people think about the individuals that inspired them or the individuals that told them that they actually matter and that they could make a difference in the world. A lot of times those are teachers who get paid a a ridiculously low salary and who are working from paycheck to paycheck. And I believe that School teachers, specifically high school teachers and specifically uh, teachers in the U.S. should get paid more money because they really influence the leaders of tomorrow, so to speak. And I thought that seeing Benjamin Linus be such a good individual and just put himself out there for a specific student that he thought that was exceptional was just phenomenal. And, you know, sometimes if you're going through a hard time in life and and you want to get out of your circumstances, all you need is one person to tell you that you actually matter and that you're going to be okay and that you can get out. And for some reason, seeing the relationship unfold between this version of Benjamin Linus and Alex was just wonderful to me. And I got all sorts of warm and pleasant vibes just based on that dynamic alone. Yeah, it was so good. And even you are right that it's ridiculous how underpaid and undervalued in general teachers are when their job is so important. I loved that in addition to that great Ben putting everything on the line for this student to give the validation and for her to have a better life. We also see in the flash sideways that Roger, his dad, is still alive, is not dead. Ben takes care of him even as his father's health is clearly very deteriorated. And in their talk, they do mention that Roger was part of the Dharma Initiative and Ben did live on the island for a while and then they moved away. So I did think that was interesting that in this timeline, the island still did exist for a period, but they left before it sunk. So I thought that was interesting because that was information we didn't have. But I loved the back and forth between this new Dr. Lioness in the Flash Sideways and good old conniving up to his old tricks Ben on the island with the survivors of Ajira mostly. And I love when he's talking with Frank and Ilana and nobody really knows if they can trust Ben. And he tells them, I know that Saeed killed Dogen and whoever and they say how do you know he said well i walked in and he was holding a bloody knife over their corpse so i'm pretty frigging sure and later there's nothing that puts a smile on my face more than when someone's own words are used against them as a fuck you and ilana gets miles to find out what happened to jacob and even with benjamin linus standing right there he doesn't fess up he still maintains that it was man in black who killed jacob and then miles is communicating with Jacob's ashes and he says it was Linus he killed him he stabbed him and put him in the fire and Ben goes that's not true why would you say that and he goes well I saw you standing with a knife a bloody knife over his dead corpse so I'm pretty sure 
And I just, that was one of my favorite exchanges of the entire episode. But it was great that we're cutting between good-natured Linus and bad-natured Linus on the island as all of this is starting to really ramp up with this other faction of the Jacob people who are now learning what dire situation they are in, who are not part of the temple, but are part of like the backup team, Jacob's bodyguards who have failed. That was very interesting. And in those moments, Miles also reveals that he has spoken or communicated with Nikki and Paolo and he retrieves their $8 million worth of diamonds from their grave. And that was amazing that we got to bring that back around and somebody is actually taking those diamonds home. I absolutely loved that. And the other main Island action mostly concerns. Finally, Jack is back who has been absent since the lighthouse. And if there was any doubt before that this new Jack is a man of faith it is put a hundred percent to rest in his scene with richard at the black rock where jack is no longer a guy who only believes in science he believes there is a destiny and that certain things can be faded in a full taking on of that old mantle that john locke used to take as he lights that fuse marcello what are you thinking as jack has totally we've seen shades of it before but this he puts his life on the line in a locke-esque fashion to say the island has more in store for me i love that scene so much because as it was playing out i was like why the hell not he's been through everything he's been through the rigmarole so it makes logical sense that this late in the game jack would become a man of faith as opposed to what he was at the beginning of the show a man of science and it was so wonderful to see him have more faith than richard but but i'm really really interested as richard basically comes upon jack and hurley in the jungle and he says listen i'm going to lead you here when richard and jack sit down with a piece of dynamite in between the two of them and jack says okay either we're gonna live or either we're gonna die and he just said i'll leave it up to faith and i loved that scene to bloody pieces after last episode i'm really questioning whether jacob is all he's cracked up to be in this episode richard says to hurley do not believe jacob Jacob told me things that can't happen now that he's dead. And if he was so important, then why would he allow this to happen? And I got what I thought was a gift from him. And it is actually a curse. I've devoted my whole life ever since I arrived on this island, on this ship. And now I'm realizing there was no point to any of it. And to see Richard at this low point is heartbreaking. And we understand it, but it's so great when Jack is like, no, I do not buy this. Jacob might be dead, but you still have a purpose. There is more work to be done. And I can show you that there's more work to be done because I know I have more to do. And so if I light this fuse, there's no way it's going to go off. We can't die because we still got unfinished business. Seeing that, that confidence that Jack has, unwavering, is so much fun. Fox is awesome in that moment. And as we watch that wick burn and then just stop, and Jack's like, I fucking told you, you want to try again? We can't do it. We can't do this because we got more. And Richard's like, okay, I, I will trust. I will trust in that. And Jack says, let's go to the beach. And uh, I just love that that was such a powerful moment. And even though Richard is now doubting Jacob, 
Jack is saying, no, I know. I know that there's more to this. And if Jacob was watching me my whole life, as pissed off as that makes me, there has to be a reason. So I thought that was great. And then the big surprise twist ending, well, not really a twist, but we slowly drift from the beach into the ocean and see that periscope pop up. And I'm like, what in the hell? As we go down the submarine, we see Charles Widmore sitting there. Oh, this guy, I forgot about this asshole and he's going to have more to do in the next one. I thought that the metaphors in this episode were particularly strong. First, the metaphor that I mentioned with Flash Sideways, Benjamin Linus. And that scene between Richard and Jack in the Black Rock particularly hit me with a ton of bricks because I'm like, dude, the the last thing that you should do as a human being is that you should you should not and completely throw yourself into the belief system of another person. Because if that person isn't honest with you, when when that person is taken away from you, or that person doesn't give you the answers that you thought you deserved, you're basically up shit's creek, right? If you want to look, look, if you want to find purpose in this life, nobody else is going to give it to you. The only one that can give you the guidance and the purpose that you need is yourself. Sure, there's going to be a billion people on your life journey to help you get there. And hopefully they'll be more helpful than Jacob is to everybody. But the only person that can give you meaning and that can that can help you understand the greater questions of the universe is yourself. So based on that philosophy or based on my philosophy, I just felt really, really sad for Richard because you were right. Richard, when he was first introduced a couple seasons ago or whenever he was introduced, he had this aura of mystique around him. But now it's like we're seeing the, the human layers being peeled off of him. And we are seeing the person that he was underneath all that uh, confidence and all that bravado. So it's really, really a shame to see a character that I thought so much of be reduced to a a person who basically has lost his way. On that note, we move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week, entitled Recon. Matt, what do you think about that one? So Recon is a Sawyer episode. And if anybody has been listening to this podcast, most of my favorite episodes can usually be a Sawyer or a Locke episode this is no different i do as this starts we see flash sideways james in bed with joey lynn o'keefe and he's starting to pull his his con trick that we've seen him do a million times where the briefcase opens and the money spills out it's like okay he's up to his old tricks then she says i i know that you're trying to play me here and she pulls a gun and she says i'm not gonna fall for such a easy trick i'm not some dumb mark you idiot he says well actually i'm a cop and we actually are only trying to get to you so that we can get to your husband and she says bull crap like there is no way and he's like yeah there's a you're surrounded there's a whole team and i love that she's she's saying no like you think you're so smart but i can see through your con man lies and then he gives the keyword lafleur and the cops all bust in and so does his partner miles good old miles and in this timeline james ford has become a cop and he has partnered with miles it just put the biggest smile on my face even though now it's firmly established that we're gonna get these twists that show characters in the exact opposite way that we have come to know them with hurley being the luckiest man on earth benjamin linus being selfless and now james ford being a cop instead of a criminal but i absolutely loved it seeing josh holloway get to play 
Sawyer in a way that still has a lot of the shades that we know of Sawyer because this James Ford still comes from a tragic background. He is still trying to find the man who killed his parents, Anthony Cooper, but I just love that he gets to have so much more fun in these scenes and the him and Miles buddy cop stuff. I would watch that show. So I just love that we still don't know if Miles has any supernatural abilities in this timeline or not, but I really just love that as they're going about their cop stuff, that's something I'm interested in and I want to see. And we load up on some familiar faces because Sawyer wines and dines Charlotte. It was nice to see her again. At the cop station, Charlie's brother Liam is trying to get Charlie out of lockup. So I loved that. Then the final James scene in this alternate timeline is an action sequence where small car chase and somebody's running and he comes face to face with this version of Kate. And I just had so much fun in these flash sideways, but also seeing that no matter what he chose, cop or criminal, this pain that stems from that childhood trauma is always going to carry over. And in this version, he hasn't found the man yet. He did go to Australia. He did get the tip. But I love seeing that it's kind of heartbreaking that no matter what life he chose that childhood trauma was always going to override any sort of normalcy and happiness that he would strive for but it's super interesting to watch so i really loved all of the flash sideways and this was the episode that made me start wondering do i hate flash sideways because i've stated earlier that I kind of hated that they did this device that doesn't really pay off. But on a rewatch now, these last three episodes in particular, I'm having so much fun in this Flash Sideways. I'm almost not that worried that the Flash Sideways isn't going to come together and pay off because this alternate timeline, I'm just having a blast watching our actors get to do something they don't always do on island. And this is an example of that. Uh, on that same note, Matt, when the opening of this episode started and Sawyer was basically up to his old con man tricks, I was like, oh, shit, not this shit again. And as the scene played out, I was like, oh, my God, they made him a cop. I mean, I knew it was cop. I knew it was coming, but I completely forgot the setup that led to it. I really, really think that these flash sideways work with certain flashbacks and if they put in certain elements. But if they go too far right or too far left with the stuff that they put in the flashbacks, that's when they can become a little bit far-reaching for me. With that being said, in the, in the back of my head, as we're watching all these excellent episodes come out, or these two excellent episodes for my money this uh, week, as we're watching these episodes pass by as we go through it here, I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off. Yeah, I don't know if I should be doing that, but for some reason... I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off. I really enjoyed the scenes with James and uh, Scarlett. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why that person, instead of instead of Charlotte, why didn't they make it Juliet? Probably only because of it doesn't work out. And if he were to come across Juliet, maybe it would actually work out. With that being said, he does come across Juliet later. If he can come across Juliet later, why couldn't he have come across her a little earlier? And like, if he would have come across her in this episode... That scene that we see later on could have been reconceptualized to mean a little bit more. Look, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm saying, why not make it Juliet? The James dynamic with Miles is great. Like you, I would love to see a cop show with those two people. You know, James and Miles just investigating crime. 
I think that show would be a winner for me. The other the other thing that I would like to just point out here, it's really difficult or it's really sad to see that you're right. Whatever timeline or future James chooses, he still has that sad thing about him. And that makes me wonder, no matter who we are as individuals, there always will be one piece of our soul or one anchor point that we will always carry with us. And throughout the course of our lives, it is our choice to either live with that anchor point and come to peace with it, or let that anchor point drive us nuts. And I thought that that anchor point in this specific episode had the potential to drive Sawyer nuts. Because there's a specific scene where uh, Miles confronts James in the locker room and he says, listen, I need you to be fully honest with you. I ran your credit cards. I, I found out that you went to Sydney for these days. Like, what is going on here? And James, for some reason, won't fess up to his partner. You know, what's really going on here? I, I thought if he would have fessed up to Niles earlier, maybe we could have gotten some scenes of Niles, I mean, of Miles trying to figure, trying to help James figure out where is, you know, where this guy is. But then again, based on what James told him in the car, he said, if I find this guy, I'm going to kill him. Maybe his reasoning to not tell Miles what he was actually doing because maybe he just didn't want to involve Miles in his potential criminal undertaking if he if he found his father eventually in the flashbacks, which he didn't. Yeah, I think that was the main reason why he didn't tell him in those moments because he didn't want anyone to stop him if he did find him and kill him. So I do like that. And I do think that we probably would get more of them working together to find this man if we had more episodes left. So I think that they have probably just distilled certain things because this would have been a fun device to do two seasons worth and to literally check in on Detective Ford and the ghost detective as they track down this mysterious man over the course of a season. I would have loved that. So I'm sure it's just a matter of we only have limited time to just hit a few key moments. That's why they had James lie at first, just so that they could get to the heart of it later. I did love that the on-island Sawyer stuff Sawyer and Jin are at Claire's hut when Man in Black and everyone who left the temple before he killed everyone else arrive at, at the beach. In those moments, Kate and Sawyer are reunited, which was nice to see. We do see that there are a couple of kids who are with this group are worried about some of the older people and they say the smoke killed them and they get upset and Locke is the one who goes over and comforts them. So the smoke monster comforts these children, which makes it seem like he's not all bad. So that was an interesting moment because it was weird that he is the one to try and talk them through it. And in this stuff, it is revealed to Sawyer that Locke is the smoke monster and Sawyer is like not actually that surprised he's a little bit surprised but in that moment he's he's like okay well why did why did you kill all those people and man in black says these people were trying to protect the island from me but the island doesn't need protecting from me because i just want to get off it it basically came down to a situation of kill or be killed and i didn't want to die that's my side of the story and i'm sticking to it if you want to work with me i can help you out man in black takes him so that they can see hydra island and he says go over there do some recon for me find out what is going on let me know if the plane 
from Ajira Air is over there. So maybe we can fix that plane up and just fly off the island. Sawyer goes on this mission and what he finds, of course, is a pile of dead bodies and a crazy woman who all leads back to Charles Widmore and Sawyer ends up face to face in the sub with Widmore. Marcella, what did you think of this meeting between Sawyer and Widmore on the sub? You know, as far as Charles Widmore is concerned, I don't think of him too highly. I think he's a goddamn moron. But I'm beginning to think his problem with Benjamin Linus is a little bit too small for what's about to happen here. I really appreciated James's the way that he played the whole situation, the way that he sort of lined up these versions of the truth that he was going to tell everybody. And I really, really liked the reveal of what he's actually going to do when he had the conversation with Kate during the last scene of this episode. And once he revealed his plan of, he basically said, okay, once I bring the smoke monster to Charles Whitmore, I'm going to watch them kill each other. And while they are killing each other, we're going to take the sub and we're going to get the hell off this island already. I really like that logic, but in the back of my head, I'm going, okay, that's sound and logic that makes sense. But something has to happen here because either something is going to happen to where he doesn't get off the island or Kate and Sawyer are going to actually die. And the only reason that I'm saying that is because we are in the end game now. So it's all, all bets are off. So I'm very interested to see how Sawyer's so-called plan to get off the island is going to work but i am anticipating this plan to go tits up and not work at all i did love that in that meeting in the sub widmore says how do i know i can trust you sawyer goes the same way i know i can trust you which is basically just uh fuck you we both know we can't trust each other but what else do we got then the fact that sawyer comes running to man in black and does tell him okay it's widmore the, the sub all these people was was a classic sawyer moment where he's playing both sides so if he goes there and things go one way he can claim that he did what Widmore said and that man in black acted unpredictably but because he told man in black they're gonna be expecting me to be bringing you to them and me having lied if you do something crazy we can get the drop on him I love that Sawyer is playing both sides and hedging his bets and that moment at the end where he tells Kate like we're gonna get out of here and we're gonna get out of here on the sub was such a great like yes I hope that this works, but what are the chances that it works moment? It was a great way to end the episode. The only other scene that came before this that I think really was important is Claire is acting <laughs> acting nuts. I hate this is again a different time where like nowadays we wouldn't put such a stigma on this, but she's acting crazy. Man in Black slaps the shit out of her. A striking moment that takes you back. Kate is very concerned. Man in Black says, look, she has gone crazy. I know what this is like because I had a mother who was crazy. And now Aaron has a crazy mother too. So I'm sorry that you had to see this, but know that, you know, you taking Aaron and all that was the right thing because this Claire is off the deep end and is too far gone. So like you did the right thing and you shouldn't worry about it. And then Claire does apologize, says like, thank you for taking care of Aaron. And they kind of hug it out in an awkward way. But I thought it was interesting that Man in Black reveals a little bit about himself because before he he looked like he does now he said his mom was crazy and that resulted in some i think he says growing pains or some issues that he was still trying to work his way through if she hadn't been crazy things might have been different and that starts to 
get some wheels spinning on what exactly is he talking about? Are we going to find out more about that? But the main interest that I have as we're watching this is the Sawyer playing both sides and maybe him and Kate getting uh, getting away in this sub. What what are you thinking as Smoke Monster tries to level with Kate and humanize himself in her eyes? I think it's a wise decision. Again, I love the way that the writers have chosen to write the Smoke Monster. They have given him more layers than they have given any other villain in the show's history. And the fact that they've get the fact that they are giving him these touchstones or these layers make the audience vis-a-vis us question his true motives. So that way we're guessing all the way up until the end. Claire's storyline, I said it already earlier on in this episode. I do not care. Look, it's sad that she's going crazy and that she's gone bananas and that she's lost her marbles. But I don't give a shit. I don't care. When Locke smacked the shit out of her, I will admit my first reaction going, oh my God, that would not happen today. I'm like, that does not play well in today's environment. Like, like I personally, I am not one of those woke individuals. So that doesn't bother me at all. I will admit this new culture that we have as a society has wormed its way into my brain. And whenever I see stuff like that, I go, that's not going to work today. That wouldn't work today. Or this is impossible. I can't write this. For the most part, I really, really enjoyed this episode, but I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting for the wheels to fall off of the season. The last time I watched the show, I came to the conclusion that I don't really care about the answers and I don't care about the big questions. The reason why I'm here and the reason why I've chosen to spend however many months we've been talking about Lost is because I love the characters and I love the journey that these people go on. I don't care about the overall mystery. So I think if I had that belief, no matter how crazy it's going to get when the wheels fall off i think i'm going to be okay i can't speak for you matt but i think i'm going to be okay yeah i'm starting to think i will be less upset when when that moment comes than i did even two weeks ago as we were starting this final season yeah i mean who knows you may be and on that glorious positive note that'll do it for this week's edition of radio 815 listen guys if you like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us with comments questions or anything whatsoever there are a couple ways to reach us first you can just reach us on twitter by just simply using the hashtag radio 815 or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter account. It is JJUniverse815. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But Matt, if the good folks want to reach out to you, uh, what would be the best place for them to do so? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, until next time, we'll talk back soon.